Clark. I woke up feeling amazing. Those three milliseconds between still being awake and not being quite strong enough yet to lift my eyelids. That time where I was only conscious of the heavy, itchy blanket rising and falling with my bare chest, keeping the scarce heat of the cabin and the memory of last night close. But when I do open my eyes, Rhea is gone. It's only beginning to be light outside. I sit up, forced to confront the idea that last night may have been a very vivid dream. I feel the space next to me. Cold. Crap! I'm apparently some kind of insane. Wait, I I hop off the bed and check the top bunk. The blankets are a mess, but the mattress is warm. You good? I start when she appears in the door, pulling on a scuffed up boot like it's any other morning. Casual or clumsy. She starts tipping over. Here. I rush to her, offer my shoulder for support. She laughs a little. Doesn't need me. I'm good. Great. She ties the boot and stands in the doorway. She smiles a little, looking so fucking lovely. I feel whatever tense, unnameable thing that had swept me up just moments before disappear. I smile back. She reaches out a hand. I take it. Last night was was great. I think it might have been this morning. She says with a wink before putting her other hand on my shoulder. I need to grab my jacket. She untangles her hand from mine and, and reaches to my horror for the black jacket she was definitely going for the first time. She slips into it and I try to look anywhere but at her as my face burns up. The train's slowing down so we're only a few minutes out. Great, uh, yeah, I say, trying to care about the crisis at hand and not the fact that Raya is being weird. She is being weird, right? Hey, Clark, she says, taking a step towards me. She fixes her stare on me, and she puts her hand on my shoulder. But whether that's to comfort me or make sure I stay at an arm's length away is unclear. Do you, um, want to talk about last night? My heart drops. Because I don't. I I want her to want to talk about it. Or at least not act so... Rhea about it. No, she's not even acting Rhea about it, because if she was acting like herself, she wouldn't mind telling me everything I'd done wrong. Not that I I think I necessarily did anything wrong, but, I mean, there is always room for improvement. Not saying she didn't have a good time. I, I, I think she did. She, oh my god, why won't she fucking talk to me? No. I finally say, deciding in the face of my panic and insecurity that maybe the best thing Persephone could have taught me has been more about what she's done than what she said. I'm good. I reiterate, detached, uncaring, cool. Okay, great. Rhea says, shrugging and patting me, fucking patting me on the shoulder. She heads for the door. So I just spoke with Char and he's going to talk with Rebecca. He and Eros are moving Apollo right now. Talk is with Hera. Purse is in her room. You know you could have woken me up to help with all this plotting. 
Hey, if my dreams hadn't been so fucked up, I would have slept a bit too. Do you want to, like, talk about it? She looks at me like I just asked if she wanted tea. The dreams? No. Okay. Sure. I lay on more ambivalence and turn around. It's hard to feel on any kind of equal ground when you're still in your underwear. Hey. She says, and I turn just in time to see her closing the space between us in two long steps. She grabs my hand, presumably on purpose, and pulls me into her and kisses me. Expertly. The cold leather of her jacket makes the skin of my chest shiver. Her hand is only holding my face in place, but it might as well be keeping me from falling over because I swear I'd let this girl slip her tongue into my mouth and a knife into my back if they promised to bury me smiling. I'm glad last night happened, but it's the morning and I have work to do. She says, those lips smiling against my ear. I nod. She backs towards the door. You should also maybe get changed? Thought I'd give you something to stare at all day. I say, going for a wink, regretting it instantly. But she smiles as she places a hand on the door. She pauses. Clark, I, um, I need to ask you not to say anything about the bag. Right. Of course. Thanks. She says before disappearing into the hall, I hear the grumbling of Eros, but decide it doesn't matter. Last night happened, and it will probably happen again. I'll get dressed smiling, kicking Apollo's empty leather bag under the bed. Do you think anyone will notice if I borrow one of Rhea's black, nondescript t-shirts? I throw my door open just a few minutes later to the sound of commotion. Rhea and Eros are leaping over Talc, just as Hera... Wait, is that Hera? Oh shit, yes! It is definitely Hera, running off the train and onto the platform. I run the length of my car towards them as they struggle to pass Talc. Eros shoves him hard. He falls over. Rhea! She spins to me, bewildered, like she's never seen me before. You need to go in and keep Char in that room longer. Why? Because he's going to come out with Rebecca before we're ready. I should come with. N no, don't, she says, shoving past Eros and exiting the train. And then it's quiet. Until, inevitably, gotta say, talk starts. Those sacred sisters keep things interesting. I pull him to his feet. Although there'd be a whole lot less drama if Ray even tried to listen to her sister. You don't understand her. I spit a little too quickly, brushing past him. He cocks an eyebrow over his dark frames. And you do? I straighten, swallow the obvious words in my throat. Tok bends his knee experimentally. How did Rhea convince you? Can't picture you being on board with letting Apollo die. Well, I guess you don't understand me either, I say, pushing into Rebecca's car, 
desperate to get away from him. Shaw and Rebecca immediately turned towards me at the loud creak of the door. Uh, hi, I say, wishing I had made any kind of plan before busting in. The room is a sparse office. Some kind of flimsy wall seems to separate it from the back half of the car. What do you want? Shaw says sharply, shielding Rebecca protectively. I just, um, had a rather urgent question regarding my health. I try making my eyes large, as if being just a little weird might tip Shaw off that something is wrong. Can you wait? But I guess Shah assumes I'm always weird because he's staring me down like he may throw me out. No, no. Uh, this is an emergency. What's wrong? Rebecca says, now stepping out from behind Shah and approaching me. It's only now in the weak light I can see the syringe in her hand. I jump backwards. Wait, w- wait! I flinch as Rebecca looks down at her hand. Oh. She mutters before handing it to Shah, who accepts it, glowering. He's sweating a little despite the cold. Rebecca's now just a few inches from me, always an uncomfortable close talker. What's going on? She voices. I'm sure it's nothing that can't wait 15 minutes, right? He asserts. Why is he doing this? Isn't he himself just in here to buy time? Ah, no, ah, no. My head might be a fever, ah. Rebecca lays the back of her cold, flat hand on my forehead before I can finish. You don't feel warm. Are you feeling dizzy? She says. The one on his shoulders isn't the head you need to worry about. Shah jeers. Sharon. Rebecca says, spinning to him and giving him a look I can't see. Oh, fuck it. Shah says, and for a moment I'm worried he's going to hurl the needle in his hand at me. Instead, he unties the string of his tracksuit bottoms, drops them to his ankles along his boxers, and plunges the needle into his, um, into a muscle on his ass that is stronger than anyone on my body. Within seconds, during which I have seen parts of Shah I can never unsee, he's pulling up his pants. I look to Rebecca, who is unexpectedly casual. Oh, for God's sakes, she says, more frustrated than anything. She stares him down. Neither of them so much as breathe before she buckles. How are you feeling? As good as I look. You shouldn't be so reckless and not jealous of my attention to Clark. Rebecca hisses. Oh, cut the fucking act. He says, throwing the syringe on the floor before he erupts. We all know we're one failure away from being strapped to a bed and pumped for whatever we're worth. Or is that just Rhea? What? What what are you talking about? I stammer as Rebecca picks her jaw up off the floor. How did you know about that? Shar. Fuck. The second the words are out of my mouth, I want to drop to my knees and wipe them like vomit. But I force myself not to react. 
because Clark doesn't know what I just admitted, and Rebecca doesn't know there's anything to admit. They're both just staring at me. I've been avoiding my reflection for the last 12 hours or so because, based off of how everyone's been looking at me, I don't know if I can handle it. What I did to Rhea last night, I know that's not okay. I knew it wasn't okay as I was saying it. The timing, for one, is terrible. But I didn't know when I got this shot that Apollo was going to go and... and get in the way. Before we go any further, you gotta know, I didn't do that to Apollo. Well, I didn't do all of that. I don't know what time it was. I'd gotten the shot from Rebecca in the domed car and immediately went back to my room. I had a serious case of the spins and just wanted to close my eyes. I must have fallen asleep because when I woke up everything was quiet and my mouth was so dry and I felt like I was burning through my sheets. I drank the two water bottles in my room and still felt like my tongue was cracked and dry. So I slipped out into the hall. I went to knock on Hera's door to see if I could take any of her water and that's when I saw this note. Second floor above kitchen. Signed, A. I immediately ripped it off the door, crumpled it up. My temper spiked at both how selfish it was for Apollo to harass Hera and how fucking stupid it was that he signed his note. I cracked the window in the hall, slipped the paper out. Idiot. The freezing air outside hit my face, and I started to calm down. Started to stop feeling so alien. I decided then to walk on the outside railway to the kitchen car because there's gotta be water there. The whipping of the wind and the darkness rendered me invisible as I walked slowly, gripping the freezing rail through the sleeve of my sweater pulled over my hand. I was relieved to slink into the kitchen, but my shoes were soaked. Right after we kicked this repopulation crisis, we should really get to waterproof sneakers. I was tracking water all over the kitchen tile, but I was a man on a mission. I was halfway through my second bottle when I noticed something move out of the corner of my eye. I jumped, slipping on the wet tile, but I caught myself on the counter. What do you want? I asked Apollo, standing by the stairs with that bag in his hand. You should be in bed, he said. Yeah, watch out, all the cool kids are sneaking out to go drink water. Cheers, I said, finishing a bottle. I'm sure that's the only substance you're taking. <laughs> Excuse me? I said, throwing the bottle into his trash. Apollo shrugged. Stupid, self-important prick. It really is uh, impossible to explain what this asshole meant to us as kids. He's always smiling, always bouncing around. Every day, the world around us was promising it was ending, but hey, if, if Apollo was smiling, that's good enough for us. They even made him be the one to explain copying to us because it was so obvious. We all just thought he was so cool. Even when I came out, something kind of unprecedented. The morning the story broke, Apollo was at my house, bright and early with Hera. Everyone's weird parents. When the door opened and the camera started flashing, he had his arm around me. Of course, I didn't realize at the time, but... He cared a fuck ton less about me than he did about showing up in more pictures. The older we got, the more attempts we made, the more all that fame and promise shifted from him to us. And you could see it, eating away at him every day. He seemed happy to be a chaperone for a while, but hey, you can only catch a buzz off an assist for so long before you actually miss fucking scoring. By the time the Iris thing happened, the affair that is, I wasn't surprised at all. He was so starved for attention. He literally once asked me to quote, rate his ass compared to the guys I'd hooked up with. I gave him a five. Not low enough he knows I'm fucking with him, but not high enough to be a compliment. What are you talking about, man? I asked. Have you been upstairs? Apollo said. For the first time that day, I felt my blood cool down on its own. He knew. He knew about me being up there with Rebecca. 
Look, if I were in your position, I'd be up for anything too, but taking extra meds from her? Tisk tisk. I asked what he meant by my position. I've just been doing some reading. I guess you have to do something since Hare's ignoring you, huh? His face crinkled in surprise and sadness. I could have let him know I tossed a note, but this is more fun. Now I got to shrug. I know how low your numbers are, he spat. My numbers? Yeah, Rhea would have better luck being impregnated by a cucumber. He said, rifling through the bag, pulling out a big picture of me. He started to read off the back. Yeah, buddy, especially now that Clark is around. I just wonder what they'll do with you. And that is when it happened. A total accident. Something really he did himself. So he's just standing there dangling this piece of paper which has my whole fucking future written on it. And I'm there. My inside's total anarchy. And all I did was take one big step towards him. That's it. That's it. He's the one who reached his arm out like I was going to hit him or whatever. <laughs> Please. All I did was bat his arm away, but... He stumbled back, and he must have slipped in the water that I tracked in. He wears such dumb fucking shoes. He went down. Hard. The back of his head collided with the counter. There was only, like, some blood. I thought he was going to get back up, do some whining, but he didn't. I just stood there. It's not like you can perform the Heimlich or CPR in someone's brain. I panicked. I grabbed the bag and left. I left him down there with one crack of the back of his head. One. I didn't kick his fucking face. That had to be someone else. He probably walked up those stairs himself, very much alive, because no one else could move him, and that's when he got attacked for real. Sure, I am relieved he seems to be dying, but I didn't do it. And of course, once I had the bag, I read the documents. <laughs> Man, I can't believe I slipped up in front of these two. I swear, I almost said something to Rhea last night, when she didn't want to talk about copying. Girl's about to be locked up and down. We both need this. Rebecca... Persephone bursts into the room. She takes a second to suddenly note myself and Clark. Rebecca, I desperately need a water. Rebecca looks to each of us, confused, then she leaves the room, forwards, not backwards into the rest of the train. What the fuck is going on? Purse hisses. What did you just inject yourself with? None of your business. What? I'm taking a supplement to help me succeed. It's no big deal. Does Rhea know? Clark stammers. Can someone please explain to me why I saw Rhea and Eros running around outside? Persephone demands. Is she okay? If this is how you're going to act every time someone fucks you, dude, I promise the officers are going to come fewer and farther between. He turns bright red. How... how did you know? I shake my head. I can just tell. He's also clearly wearing one of Rhea's shirts, but I just don't feel like mentioning it. Found one. Rebecca says, re-entering the room and handing a glass bottle to Persephone. Thanks, I... But then there's a heavy knock on the door, and a vaguely familiar voice. Rebecca, we need to talk. Rhea. Hera. Fucking Hera. I hate running, I hate the cold, I hate the snow, I hate hunting my sister down like she's a fucking animal. Rhea! Eros hisses, jerking his head in the direction of one of the passages. The ceiling here has almost completely given out. The ground is blanketed with snow. No, if, if she'd gone down there, there would be footprints. But if she could manage to make it look like there wasn't, then we'd... 
Fine, go for it. I'll go this way. We're splitting up? He's looking at me with such naked, instinctual, marred curiosity and zero sense of irony. I walk in the opposite direction. He chases after me, grabs my arm, spins me around. We don't know what's in here. I yank my arm from his grip. Except Hera. He nods. After you, then. I take a deep breath. Allow myself to realize I really may not have a better idea. If we don't see her footprints in the snow, she didn't go down there. I mean, Hera isn't hiding. She's trying to find someone else. She's not worried about covering her tracks. It isn't like she's afraid of us. Is it? We need to be calm, Air. He blinks back that blackness from his eyes. I'm serious. We're only trying to find her. He relaxes his face, smooths the lines between his eyes. Looks more like himself. I exhale a huge cloud of hot air. He rubs his bare arms, and I slip out of my jacket. Here. He shakes his head. I'm not wearing your jacket. I'm way overheated from having to run, like, at all, and besides. I say, throwing it at him and walking away. You're useless when you're cold. I walk for a beat or so before he runs up beside me. I'm giving it back to you in five minutes. We won't be here that long. I say, strutting down the tiled corridor. Are we in the right place? Did the train make the wrong stop? I was just under the impression there would be someone here, anyone. I throw my arm out, stop arrows. Look, footprints, there in the lightest dusting of snow, but definitely there. I take a step in their direction when Arrow stops me again. Maybe you should go back to the train. I don't have time for this. It takes half a second to cycle through every late night adventure Eros and I have ever been on. I can't think of any he felt brave enough to lead, especially without a little chemical courage. Zip up your jacket, I direct, shrugging him off and following the steps. Hera? I whisper, trying to keep any residual Eros annoyance out of my tone. Hera, let's talk this out. I croon, ducking into a newsagent's, nothing but old newspapers and magazines. Ink-stained pages blurred with wet, then frozen solid again. I step out. Eros is coming out of a decrepit 7-Eleven. He shakes his head. The roof is more solid down here, less snow, which is all we have to go off. Less clues. Just a few patches of untouched white. This must have been some sort of atrium. There's a large circular center area with passages leading to different tracks, extending from it like the spokes of a wheel. At the center is a fountain, something shopping mall Greek. It's murky black water made permanent in its basin. We start on the far left. I find myself jogging a little because I don't know how much time Clark can reasonably entertain Rebecca. Kid's not a great liar. There's nothing down the first hall. Not even a train, just an empty platform. We double back and check the second, sidestepping one of those tracts of snow. Nothing but an empty train. Doors open and the wind ripping through.
ghosts of travelers long gone. We're heading for the third when I stop. The little section of untouched powder we just sidestepped moments ago now has one footprint in it. It's pointed back towards where we just came from. Holy shit. Come on, I say, running now back up into the atrium. Eros is right behind me. I slip on an icy patch and he catches me. You're killing me, Rhea. He whispers, releasing me. I bound up the stairs and into the main chamber. Hera, I call, running towards the fountain. Sure, she's here. Sure, this fucked up game of hide and seek can end. She has to be. She... Rhea. I stop immediately. I know somewhere Eros must narrowly avoid colliding with me, but I, I can't look to make sure he's okay. I can't look anywhere but at Detective Orsino Blue calmly standing beside the fountain. I hold my breath, waiting for the harbingers of my nightmares to join him, but Apollo and Iris do not appear, neither beaten, nor dead, nor bickering, nor, nor. This fantasy is all his, wrapped in a thick wool coat with black leather gloves, but no scarf or hat obscuring any of his face. His eyes crinkle, but not like someone who laughs or smiles a lot, like, like someone who's using every muscle in their face to keep a secret from you. What the fuck? Eros breathes beside me as it sinks in. This is not a dream. This is real. Orsino is here. Why? He shakes his head, disgusted. I cannot believe Iris's murder didn't teach you to stay out of fucking trouble. Eros stomps across the tile, sneakers echoing in the silence. Orsino doesn't flinch as Eros gets within an inch of his face. Never, ever talk about her. Eros snarls. Why? Still got some guilt to work out. Huh? Apollo killed her. Whatever you say. Eros boils. Orsino spreads his arms open, mock Christ-like. Would you, uh, like to do something? He leans in even closer. Please, hit me, if you can. It's not like we're in our little cell anymore. Huh, buddy? Eros breathes hard and then sucks in the air in a kind of hiccup. The kind you make when you're trying to dry the tears in your eyes before they even well up. His hands are trembling and his eyes are darting around like he's somewhere I'm not. I rush between them, push Eros's lean frame away from Orsino's paunchier one. But I don't take my eyes off Eros's. I hold his gaze the way he needs when he's afraid, like when he was scared to go down the slide as a kid or had to stand in front of a crowd or had a bad trip or we had to cop for the first time. We're in this together. All right, let's get out of here. Orsino interrupts. What? Fuck that. I say, turning towards him, shielding Eros. We need to... To get Hera? Yeah, sounds great, but uh, I've got two viable units to get back to the train. I said I'm not fucking going. 
I wasn't asking. Orsino says, whipping a handgun out from his jacket. I... <laughs> I almost laugh. What are you going to do? Shoot the two viable units? Basically, he says. Eros wavers, then falls to his knees. What the fuck? I say, catching and falling with him as he slumps down, my hands frantically searching for a place to, to, to stop the bleeding or pull out the bullet or cast a magic fucking spell to, to... What the hell's wrong with you? Harris says, running towards us from God knows where. Relax, he's just stunned. Orsino says, stashing the gun in his coat. Again, Truman and Ford run up, fucking useless. Who are they even guarding? Hera flicks at Eros's eyelids, takes his pulse before saying, That man just attacked Eros. But Truman and Ford just stand there. Gentlemen, please restrain our friends here for their own safety. Before I can even catch my breath, my hands are being zip-tied. Eros, still unconscious, remains on his back on the long, untread tile. My jacket rises and falls lightly with his chest as he breathes. My sister has her wrist pinned roughly behind her back as well. Our eyes meet, each radiating rage at the other. Truman or Ford or whoever yanks me to my feet before stammering. Ah, sorry, sorry. Get the fuck off me, I say, shouldering away from him. Oh man, have I not missed this? Orsino says, stomping off in the direction of the train. 